Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. in a series and the title of it is too strong that's been the title and what we've if this is in in two dimensions is the first thing is that when you talk about too strong is there we found earlier in previous weeks that the bible talks about two different types of strength and they're not it's i'm not saying there's a natural strength and there's spiritual strength we need both how many of you know what i'm saying we need but natural strength will always come to the end and it has limitations on it. But when when we talk about spiritual strength, when I am aware of what's available to me and I begin to cultivate what too strong equally is, is that God is in me, God is with me, and God is for me. And because he's in me, with me, and for me, I am more than a match, and I am too strong to fa- that anything that I face, I can overcome in life. How many of you know what I'm saying? We can, we can overcome. I'm, I'm too strong. And if there's ever been a time that in, in my lifetime that we need to know the strength of God, it's in the times that we're living today. It's in the season that we're living in today. You know, in the book of Ephesians, God gives us insight and specifics on how to be too strong, and he even tells us why we need to be too strong. And we're going to go over there in Ephesians chapter 6, but what we've got to understand is that lasting transformation in our life is directly connected to our understanding. And let me just give you an experience, and I think, I mean, let me give you an example, and I think all of us have had an experience like this in our life where we went to a church service or we went to some kind of a meeting and God was just thick. How many of you know what I'm saying? It was just like, oh my gosh, the presence of the Lord and everything. But a week later or two weeks later, it was like, what happened? It's all gone. How many of you know what I'm saying? And what it is, is lasting transformation is directly connected to my understanding. It's directly connected. You know, Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That the way that we understand, it would be touched and enlightened by God. If you look in Proverbs, it tells us to cry out for understanding in our life. See, God has a supernatural strength for us, but we must seek and allow him to turn the light on in our understanding, or all we do is have experiences in our life. And we have an experience, and the presence of the Lord was strong, but to have lasting transformation, he has to touch our understanding. In in Ephesians 6, God is telling us how to be what he called strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he also told us why we need it in our life, why we need to. And he then compares it, and we talked about this, he compares us as Christians to the Roman soldiers because in their day, that that was the, the predominant military might. And the reason he picked, I believe, the Roman soldiers is because 
everybody respected the Roman soldiers. They were the strongest army on the earth in their day. But then equally is that the Christians would see Roman soldiers every single day. And so when he in Ephesians 6 began to compare us to Roman soldiers and he listed six different pieces of armor, what he was doing is it was causing them to have a remembrance every time they saw a Roman soldier. And he listed these six pieces of armor of a Roman soldier that they would wear and then he he would he compared them and it's it's been a term that we use and it's called the armor of God. How many of you have heard of the armor of God? In and, and so, you know, we're a couple thousand years the other side and, and people talk about the, uh, the armor of God, but we must have an understanding in order to apply it to our everyday life. I remember 25, 30 years ago, I would every day put on the armor of God, put on the helmet of salvation. My loins are girt about with you. I would go through it, but I didn't even know what I was doing. I would just, because it was in the Bible. How many of you know what I'm saying? But what we found out is that each one of these pieces of armor is a parallel to a specific area of our lives. And he basically says, if you're going to live strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, then you need to put on or have all six of these areas covered in your life. And you're mindful of that because that's where the enemy is going to strategize and hit. And if you take these six pieces of armor that are specific to an area of your life, realize you're going to take a, you're going to take the majority of the things things that the enemy takes people down, you're going to take them off of the table. And, it, and what we've got to understand is that if we don't get, and, and when we're going to see, talk about all six pieces of armor, not one, not two, not five, not three, but all six, realize this, that if we don't learn to identify and to put on, then what happens is, is we get caught, we're Christians, we're going to heaven, but we get caught in unhealthy cycles or we live frustrated in our life because we're not experiencing the strength of God in the areas of our life. And so I want to start reading in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to start reading in verse 10 through verse 18. This is kind of a, the foundational scripture, and we've read it before, but we've been, um, and I'll probably even as I stand up here, I'm just going to list. We've already covered two of the pieces of armor. If you were not here, uh, we covered them two weeks ago. Last week, Micah talked, or Micah taught, and it was connected in, but two weeks ago, we talked about the first two pieces. But it says this, finally, the King James, uh, the King James says it like this, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I mean, how many of you would just say, oh, that's me. I'll take that. You know what I'm saying? But then what he does is he doesn't just say, do it. He tells us how to do it. God never says, do something without telling you how to do it and giving you the ability to do it in our life. Verse 11, this is how, put on the full armor of God or all the armor of God 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The New Living in the Amplified Translation says so you can take your stand against the devil's strategies, is well thought through plan. And so realize this, that the enemy has a well thought through plan that he desires to disrupt our life based on our weaknesses, based on where we're weak in areas. And so God's speaking to us about that. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What I want you to notice is he's talking about being strong, and then he shifts into it's spiritual. Therefore, or because that's where your battle or your struggle is, he said, put on the full armor of God or all of it so that when the day of evil comes, notice the statement, when the day of evil comes. You say, wait a minute, I don't want a day of evil to come. We will all face trying days. We will all go through seasons. We will all go through difficulties. We will all face, it's not if, but it's when. And what God does is he tells us what to live for and understand and apply. And then he says, when it happens, you will be too strong. You'll be able to be strong in it. So he said, when that day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. Verse 14, stand firm then. Look at the statement. He says right there three times, stand, stand, stand. You know, in our lives, sometimes we should just be grateful when we're in a trying season that we don't give up ground. How many of you know what I'm saying? We're just like, Lord, I want to take ground. Well, there's times that a great victory is just standing your ground and not giving up ground. And God, and realizes that if we don't know how to stand, then any ground that we take, we won't keep. And so God wants to teach us how to stand. And there's sometimes in our life, and I can testify to this, that I'm in the middle of it and, and I'm going through it, but I'm just going to stand. And the goal is, God, I'm not going to give up any ground of anything that you've done in my life. And that's when we become strong. Are you with me? So it's, he said, stand firm then. Now, this is the first piece with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's number one. We covered that. The King James says, having your loins girt about with truth and the breastplate of righteousness in place. That's the second piece of armor. And we talked about that two weeks ago. And here's the third piece in verse 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What I want you to notice is that he, what he talked about or what he zeroed in on is the third piece that the King James says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The NIV says, having your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The Amplified Translation says, having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability. I want you to think about the statement here because he says the gospel of peace, but then he begins to talk about our feet. And when you think about feet, 
Feet is indicative, and I'm just going to, I don't know if I gave these guys, I don't think I did. The scripture in Psalms 119 verse 105 says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's Psalms 119, 105. My feet is where I'm at currently. My path is where I'm going. And God is saying that he, he's talking to us about when you look at the term, he's talking about why the term, the gospel of peace. The gospel means good news. That's what it means, herald or good news. But then peace with God, I understand if you say, well, that means peace with God because of what Jesus did. I agree with that. I totally, I agree with that. But what I want you to notice is if you look at peace in the New Testament, it is defined very, very different. Why wouldn't, when you think about this for a moment, is the gospel is, he could have said the gospel of love. He could have said the gospel of life. He could have said the gospel of righteousness. He could have said the gospel of a lot of different things, but he said the gospel of peace, and I believe it's very specific to this environment because when you look up this word peace in the New Testament, it is defined very broadly. And I'm just gonna kind of give you a capsule, but that word peace, if you look it up, it means the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, so that's spiritual, but now look at this. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that it is. Notice the two levels of peace. God talked about peace with him, but then he talked about peace down here. He talked about a spiritual peace and he talked about a natural peace. Here's a, this is another, this continue if you define, um, unpack this word in the Greek. It means exemption. This piece means exemption from rage and havoc of war. I mean, think about it for a moment. Peace where there's a place of havoc and war. That is a natural, that's a piece that, I mean, it's spiritual, but it affects us naturally. The, another definition, if you unpack it, peace between individuals, harmony and, and concord. It means security, safety, prosperity, felicity, because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. He could have said, as I said earlier, the gospel of love. He could have said the gospel of life. He could have said the gospel of truth. He could have said the God, but in this context about being strong in the Lord, he, choose, he chose to use the word, the gospel of peace. First, remember the context. The context is being strong and standing and overcoming the strategy of the enemy, or we could say it's in spiritual warfare. But he begins to talk to us about a place of peace while at the same time being in a battle or in a struggle in our lives. If there's ever a time that we need peace, it's in these times in our life. If there's ever a time that we need peace, it's when we're in a battle, we're in a struggle, we don't understand, things don't make sense, people have maybe done something. If there's ever a time we need to see sense peace, it's in these times. I wanna look at something that Jesus said when his crucifixion was eminent, and it's in John chapter 14, 
verse 27. He said, peace I leave with you. Now look at this statement. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Look at the statement there. If you look, he said, my peace I give you. The, the original language said, my peace I bequeath to you. And if you look that up, it literally means to hand down, to trust, to entrust, to pass on as a last will. Look at the word, he said, let and don't let. I want to ask you a question. Who does the letting in my life? It isn't God, it's me. God said, when we talk about peace, it isn't God that determines if I live in peace. It is me either letting or not letting. It is, and, and what I love about this is if you look, is God basically says to us, I have, Jesus said, I've given you my peace and my peace is not only spiritual, but it is a, it's the ability that when you're facing difficult things naturally, and then he said, don't let your heart be troubled. In other words, you're in charge. I need you to be a powerful person and stop and say, I am in charge of my own heart and of my own life. And what I'm going to do is stop right now. And I'm going to say, I'm going to zero in and say, you know what? I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I'm not going to let my heart be afraid. I'm not going to let because Jesus gave me his peace. Are you with me? John 14, 27, Jesus said, I mean, if you think about it, it's a very trying time to the disciples. And he said, the peace that I'm going to give you is not like the world's peace. That means there's two different kinds of peace. There's God's peace and there's the world's peace. There's God's peace, and I, now let me just be really clear. I like it, having the world's peace. Are you with me? Everybody's treating me good. Every, everything's going, I like it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus said that there's two kinds of peace, the world's peace, and then there's the peace of God. And God said, Jesus said, I'm giving you the God kind of peace. Look at what it says in John 16, verse 33. 32 and 33. Jesus is getting ready to leave. His leave is, him leaving is eminent. Look at what he said to the disciples. He said, take careful notice. An hour is coming and has arrived. Man, that means like now. When you will all be scattered, each of you to his own home, leaving me alone. And yet I am not alone because the father is with me. Verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation, distress, and suffering, but be courageous, confident, undaunted, filled with joy. I have overcome the world. What I want you to notice is Jesus talks about two types of peace. There is a natural peace, 
and there is the peace of God in our life. They're two totally different. And that's why when you read the word peace in the Bible, it isn't just, okay, spiritual peace. It is a powerful peace of God that kicks in when natural peace goes upside down, when natural things go upside down. In my opinion, the peace of God is one of the most overlooked, unaware, untapped into supernatural powers of God that is available to each and every one of us every single day. It's available to us every single day. If there's ever a time that we need to be aware and to learn to yield to God's peace, it's right now. It is the craziness that our world is going, that's going on around our world, COVID and all the stuff that's going around. See, this piece, if I could put it in natural terms, this piece is money. The peace of God is money. It is like, oh my gosh. You think about it. It's a peace that we were created to live with and until we learn to tap into it, we spend our entire life searching for it. We spend our whole life trying to find this piece. It's original design. Almost every epistle, 17 epistles, including the book of Revelation, start with these words, grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We all say, I need God's grace over our life, but he said, I just want to let you know that I prayed in 17 epistles, including the book of Revelation, that you would not only experience the grace of God over your life, but the peace of God in and over your life. See, what we've got to realize is I believe that we've gotten so used to this world's natural peace that we've been duped and we think that the world's natural peace is the peace of God and God's peace is stronger than bigger than and it overcomes the world's natural the, the natural peace that we live in and we live our lives up and down because we've not learned to tap into the peace of God that is a spiritual force that will transform us on the inside when we are going through crazy things with crazy people in a crazy world are you with me I mean think about it in Jesus life Think about this. He's in a boat going across and he's got 12 people in the boat, three of them lifetime fishermen. Okay, these guys know the, the water. And they wake him up and they say, don't you care that we're perishing? Think about this. Jesus is sleeping in that environment. He's sleeping. And what did he say when he woke up? Peace, be still. That's what he said. Peace, be still. This environment that's got these 12 guys all sideways because of what's going on naturally. He could have said anything, but he said, peace, be still. The peace of God in that place. You know, when, they, when he was preaching one time, the Bible says that they got the religious people got so mad that they rushed on him to push him over a cliff. Now, let me just ask you a question. Would that be a little stressful for you? Okay. If I'm up here preaching and you guys rush at me, <laughs> but it says he passed through their midst. 
Jesus, when he raised the girl from the dead, and it was just a tumultuous experience in the house, it says he put them all out and then told her to get up. And what, we got, what we've got to realize is Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Peace on the inside is the difference between relaxing while I'm going through it and being caught up in it and with it in my life. Peace on the inside. And I believe that right now God is saying, you know what, your feet, that wherever you go, that wherever your path, that needs to be, you need to be so aware of who I am, of what I've done, that I've got you, that I'm in you, that nothing can overpower you. He said it will cause a peace to come over your life that when the natural world is sideways, you're rested in my peace. If I could give you a title today is realizing the necessity of having God's peace as my base to go out from. There's a growing peace in my life and an awareness that many times it's, it is the difference between missing God and following God. How many of you have noticed that when the world around you gets chaotic, to not get caught up in it, but to let the peace of God guide you, direct you, and sense you. I have learned in my own life that whenever I'm in a situation that I just pause and calmly on the inside, where do I have a peace right now? Do I have a peace going in this direction or do I have a peace going in this direction? And it gives me the ability to tune in to God. There's a lot of people and they're saying, God, I need a word from you. Tell me what to do. Realize God is speaking to you through his peace in your life. He speaks to you that his voice, that is a manifestation of his presence on the inside of you. And he's trying to get us to listen and to tune in. I want to give you three truths to be aware of that will help me to walk out God's peace in my life more than maybe I have. Number one is this, is God's peace peace in my life is connected to what I let myself think on, especially in trying times. I'm going to say that again. God's peace in my life, it's connected to what I let myself think on, especially in trying times. Remember Jesus said, my peace I give you, let not your heart be troubled. In, in John 16, I have told you these things so that you will have perfect peace, but in the world, you're going to have this. Do you remember that? See, I'm in charge of what I let my mind think on. And I've got to train my mind like I train my physical body. I've got to train it for it to get in shape and to stay in shape. You say, what, what do you mean? Some of us, sometimes the struggle is we just got a flabby mind and, and it's just kind of, we just let any old thought and any old, anybody says anything, any old thought come through and we just start thinking on it and we just start reasoning and we just start daydreaming about it and we just, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, how did I get here? That thought way back there, that thought right back there. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, that we must take every thought captive and make it obedient to what Jesus says about us. Let not your heart be troubled, since there's two kinds of peace, and this is my question to you today. What are you fishing for right now? What are you fishing for? 
Are you fishing for only natural peace? Or do you want a peace that is stronger than anything this world has to throw at you? What, what are you fishing for right, right now in your life? Natural peace is based on the absence of problems. God's peace is regardless of problems. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says this, you will guard him. Man, how many of you like to be guarded by God? Man, let me just tell you, if God's guarding you, you ain't got nothing to worry about. You got nothing to worry about. He's bigger than any pit bull. How many of you know what I'm saying? He can take on anything. It says you will guard him. All right. And keep him in perfect and constant peace. Yes, Lord. Now look at this. Whose mind both its inclination and its character is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. See, God says, when it's connect, it's my mind. It's I have to stop and say, okay, God, you're gonna guard me and you're gonna keep me in perfect peace. But the reason is, is because my mind is stayed. My, what, I, what I allow to get in, it, it's based on I've committed myself to you, I lean on you, and I hope confidently. See, that's the why this person has perfect and constant peace. The Bible and its instructions are, and promises are as real. When we open and read a scripture like that, it is as real as if Jesus was standing right in front of us and saying it to us. It's like God is saying, I want to show you how. And we've got to realize it's not just somebody's opinion. It's God's word to us and to our life. Philippians 4, verse 6 through verse 8. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, in every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. Now look at this. And the peace of God, the peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, now look at verse 8. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, look at these words. Think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. God is saying, I got peace, but you're gonna have to realize that your mind is a connection there. You got to begin to stop and say, okay, there's going to be thoughts that are safe and thoughts that are not. I'm going to go very quickly. Number two, is this peace? It's a fruit. So it grows and gets sweeter the more we identify with it. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says love, joy, and and then it says peace. See, God wants to reveal and equip me to live in his deeper peace in my life. He wants me to. It is, it is divine intent. It is, is his divine purpose that I live in the peace of God. And number three, the last one, is staying in his peace 
affects me hearing him in my everyday life. Say, God, I'm not hearing you right now. What's going on? Do you have the peace of God right now in your heart and in your life? Look at Colossians 3, verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ, and then it defines what it is, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him. Be the controlling factor of your hearts. Think about that for a second. God said, let his peace be the controlling factor of my heart. God's peace controls what I let get in my heart. Now look at what it says. Deciding and settling questions that arise, that's his peace. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members of one body of believers and be thankful. You know, we were called to live in the peace of God. We were called. Every day the world tells us what peace is, is it's an absence of problems. And God is saying, yeah, that's true naturally, but if you wanna be strong in me, you are never going to come to a place in your life that has an absence of no problems. I have a peace that is stronger than any problem. I believe personally that almost all substance abuse is directly connected to trying to find peace, trying to find peace in our heart, peace in our life, to just having a release of peace in our life. And God said, excuse me, but I have a peace that is what you've been searching for But what I need you to realize is there's two kinds of peace. There's natural peace. You are never going to be able to live by that, but there is a supernatural peace. And that peace, remember the context. He said, this is the third piece of armor, having your feet shod with the gospel of peace. That wherever I go, the peace of God is with me. Whatever I plan, the peace of God is over me. That whatever I do, I realize there are gonna be times that life is sideways, but his peace is what guides me. His peace, I am convinced that many believers miss God because they live their life only for natural peace. And there are times that following God in our life will not be a natural peace, but it will be a spiritual peace in our life. And God comes in and he says, let me show you how to do this. I want to be more like Jesus where I can sleep in the back of the boat when everybody else is flipping, freaking, and going sideways. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you would have responded differently to the disciples? (laughs) Let's stand to our feet.